Welcome to Let's Talk Canine Fitness with your hosts, Katerina Mattioli and Dr. Leslie I. Join us for the monthly podcast on all things dog fitness. Young, old, overweight, or athletic, our passion for canine fitness has you covered. Hello, Katerina. How are you? Hi, Leslie. I'm doing fine. How are you? Good, good. We're finally back for the next installment of our exercises based on different body parts of the dog. Took a while, but yeah, but <laughs> sometimes it. sometimes we have other things to do than recording podcasts and with the time difference, it's not always that easy, so I think I hope people will have been waiting and wondering where we were. So here we are. <laughs> and just re-listening to all the old ones to perfect all the other exercises. Yes, I was checking the statistics and it looks like that people are uh, listening to the old ones or or new listeners. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. cool. So this episode, we had decided where we're going to talk about carpal and tarsal exercises. So carpal is kind of the equivalent of the wrist and tarsal is the equivalent of the ankle. Um, And I'm going to say maybe part of the reason we delayed is (laughs) I, I felt like it was hard to come up with strengthening exercises for these body parts because it's it's all a chain which Katarina reminded me so (laughs) you know a lot of times if your focus is on something else like the shoulder you're still working the muscles around the carpus as well so I don't know I kind of got stuck in my head because I was like I don't do anything specifically to strengthen these, but if someone comes to me with a problem with an injury to these areas, then there are certain things I do. And, you know, wrapping my head around that was, was somewhat of a challenge for me. Um, What do you think, Katerina? Was it kind of a challenge for you or? Um, Yes, it was because um, yeah, I think I, Personally, never isolate or hardly isolate exercises um, uh, on these. Uh, yeah, I, I, I did it. I, I had to come up with. I was like, I had to. I needed time to think what uh, what we could do, and then actually, I remembered uh, one case I had once. It's few years back uh, a male that came uh, and he was uh, wasn't in a very good shape and he was very down on his on uh, on his posterns uh, it was a dog I bred and I I took him back um, so and I wanted to train especially that area and uh, I was successful and then I was going into my into my um, documents to look what exactly I did and these are uh, one or two exercises I came up with and um, actually I also do things with my bitches after heat or after puppies 
because they tend to be a little bit weaker in 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 posterns as well so um yeah it's cool. uh, it's, it's these these things i came up with though it's not a ton because as you said we train these areas when we do other exercises um yeah but i have a little bit of ideas i can share Good. <laughs> or Good. i'm willing to share <laughs> um one of the things i realized was it's not just looking at the movement of the carpus or the movement of the tarsus. Actually, a lot of times when I'm, when I'm wanting to strengthen those areas, I'm looking at toe movement or digit movement because those muscles that cross the carpus or cross the tarsus that help strengthen that joint actually their job is really to either flex or extend the toes. And so that was a big kind of realization too. Like I kept thinking of like, what do I do for like movement of just those joints? And I was like, God, I don't do a lot. But if I go down the chain a little more and think about the toes, there's a lot of things that like working on the toes, getting visualizing toe movement, you're going to help strengthen those, that joint that's a little higher up. So um, that's another important thing to think about when you're, when you're watching your dog do an exercise. Sometimes what I, I do it backwards, right? Like I watch the dog do it and I'm like, okay, what's moving. And then from there I can be like, okay, I know what body part I'm working. So toes definitely can help strengthen um, the carpus and the tarsus area. I I completely agree. And it's, uh, I don't know, should I just dive in with one of my first exercises? I was going to say, let's go for it. Let's do the first one. Which one do you want to do first? So I, uh, let's go back uh, back in time where we'll start with the exercises I did with that, that young male I had. Um, I think it's maybe, oh, what is it? Maybe seven years ago or, or yeah, six, seven, seven to eight years, I think. Wow. So I, I came up with the idea to use, uh, to use the treadmill. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just, I just had him walk the, the rear was on the ground and mm-hmm. I had him walk uh, on the sol- sol- on solid ground, so no equipment there. Uh, and he was just walking with the front on the treadmill, just walking. <laughs> so it's it wasn't a very fast uh, pace. And I was luring him forward, so he was going up on his on his toes. So he was like tippy toeing on the treadmill. So we did short sessions of that. I, I released him and, and, and again, so it was like luring him forward that he, he was weight shifting all the way to the front and was um, on his tippy toes and the, and the posterns came up then. So that's, that's what I did with, with him. And it worked, um, uh, it worked uh, very well. Um, but then I, I tried to, uh, I tried another thing and what, um, tried to maybe, um, uh, try to do it without the treadmill. So I, 
just um let me see i used i i, I had the front on uh it was not very unstable it was a very stable platform but it was mm -hmm. uh, approximately uh stifle height and the front was there and on post I, I think back then it was post stackers now mm -hmm. i would use the toy post stackers and the front was on the post stackers and then and the rear was on solid ground and so i was able to engage um uh the, the same movement like on the on the treadmill but by luring the dog forward but the the benefit of that was that also the rear got a little bit on the tippy toes so it's what was oh. like engaging both uh yeah. both parts yeah yeah w one i think that's a really cool use of the treadmill that i hadn't really ever thought of uh, of using it for that so that's for you know for everyone who has a dog treadmill, another thing you can do on it, which is awesome. Um, it makes me think of, and we we haven't talked about this, but you describing it, I was like, oh, this kind of sounds like me, maybe a little bit, maybe not, but I do do this exercise. I call it toes over edge. Um, and I think it's a little bit different because, um, instead of having the front end raised, like you were saying, the mm -hmm. front end is like stifle height, I'll yes. actually flip it. So the back end is slightly higher than the front, but again, still using like the paw stackers or, or mini or toy paw stackers, um, I try to get their toes. So when I say toes over edge, rather than their toes being on the top part, I have them on the for the front edge. And almost like what I'm trying to do is I, I kind of imagine it like, like when you're like sliding down a hill and you're trying to slow yourself down, like you don't actually want to go tumbling down the hill. You try to like grip more to the ground. And so what I'll see is like when we have that and the toes are over the edge, the dogs are trying to like hold on to the equipment yeah. a little bit more and you'll actually kind of like see them. And we, we talk about this in another exercise, but you kind of like see them really like extending and flexing their toes. Um, so for me, I think there's a lot of exercises out there that do a lot of toe flexion. And I will say with this one, I see more of like the, extension and almost like spreading out of the toes so um it's similar but like opposite <laughs> weirdly yeah. um, I, I think it's just this is maybe one thing you have to try out with the dog i mean maybe it's also breed specific if one or the other works better yeah so i think i think that's uh that's i think it's always great if you have if you have possibilities to choose from because not every every exercise is made for every dog or every breed I'm, I'm maybe wouldn't do uh, your version with the very heavy dog. Right, right. I don't, <laughs> so. I don't want them like slipping. Like it, it definitely yeah. would be a progression, right? So I think like it makes sense to me um, 
to start with other exercises that engage the toe and like, Mm -hmm. like your treadmill exercise to me, I'm like, Oh, that's, that sounds like a good one to start out with. And maybe the goal would be to progress to my Mm -hmm. like toes over edge exercise after, you know, many weeks of, of training and other exercises. Because I, I realized that the treadmill thing also uh, dogs that aren't actually experienced in walking on the treadmill with four legs or are, are uh, doing this exercise very well because it's easier if they only have to move the front it works it works very well so because that dog uh, he he didn't know he has never seen a treadmill before right. but I was I, I really wanted to bring him back into shape because it. Uh, it was a very nice dog, so uh, and it worked well. So cool. without uh, without a lot of um, training to be able to do the actual exercise. Yeah, exactly. Like always, nice to be able to kind of start exercises without mm-hmm. having to do any of the like major foundation training yeah. to get it started. Um, let's talk about, because I think we, we kind of already talked about how this is part of our exercises, but, um, let's talk specifically about just the tippy toes exercise. Mm-hmm. Cause you can do that separate from the treadmill as well, even though <clears throat> we talked about, you know, luring forward to get them up on the yeah. tippy toes. So if you don't have a treadmill, maybe, um, doing the tippy toes exercise would be really good. How do you, like, do you have them target their paws so that you can like lure them into a tippy toes or what do you do? Um, I, as, as I said before, I just use, I, I just use, uh, something that is stifle height and then the, 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 the paw stackers on top, um, I mean, yeah. every every dog of mine knows how to to get up. Some some have a little bit of difficulty because they have to go onto an onto equipment that is on top of equipment. So right. that's 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 the first challenge we have to master. But um, then I I just build it up to that height I really want. So I I start lower and then get higher so they, they that they get more comfortable. Um yeah actually you can do it i mean i mean if you if you use uh if you have a smaller dog i would i would just stack two paw discs for example for a mid-sized mm-hmm. dog and then you can do it and just lure lure the dog a little bit forward you have uh, it, it works that they get go on their tippy toes i just i just have seen it's easier for them uh when working with the with the toy paw stackers or paw stackers because of the uh, because of the shape and of and the texture they have they can they grab into into them and hold like like you said like in your exercise that they they can hold better and and there is more grip so so that works uh for me works better but actually you can do it without just on the, on that just depends on the luring yeah. and um, so that your dog so that the dog is not slipping away in the rear i i sometimes use a use a, 
sentiment. Uh, I like the ones with the knobs there because then they get actually go yeah. into the into the knobs with the toes as well. Makes sense, definitely. Yeah. What yeah. I don't like, where if not using flexiness equipment, I I really don't like when the knobs are too high, because some 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 equipment coming from humans has knobs that are very very fat and very high, and that's not nice because it hurts the paw. Exactly, and I would say what I like about this exercise because I'm all about things I can do without having to put a lot of effort into training um i like that you can just always lure this exercise right like it's not something that you have to um necessarily put a lot of like steps in to to build up to it it's like you know if if they understand luring for food or like a nose target to your hand you can get them to do this action very quickly I mean, when I came up with these, I was looking for, shame on me, a quick fix. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I really wanted to fix the problem very fast. And then, and then it was like, it's okay. Right? Yeah. And, and that's, that's what we actually face every day with our, with our, not with our fitness clients, but with our patients, right? <laughs> Exactly. I was just going to say that. I'm like, it's very telling that, like I said in the beginning, these, the thought process behind these were more from dogs that already had problems and what do we do to fix them versus dogs that were just coming in for strengthening. Because yeah, when a person walks into your clinic with this problem, they don't really want to be told, okay, for a month, we're going to work on all these other behaviors that you need to be able to do the exercises that then you need to fix this problem. They want to be able to see something that is already working on the problem. And yeah, they want progress, progress on that, yeah. that on the problem they are, why they are here. Yeah. And so this is, this is my clinic tip for people who are out there working with, um, you know, dogs, treating dogs that have problems. Oftentimes what I will do is I will give them two exercises, one or two that are very obviously working on the problem to the owner, like they can see it. And then I'll throw in one or two exercises that are more foundation pieces that they need long-term and then we're both happy because now I'm I'm getting in what I know the dog needs to be able to progress down the road, but also the client can see, oh, I'm doing this exercise and I know it's going to help the problem immediately and it's not hard to do. I have the skills to do it already. And it really makes clients a lot happier than if you're like, mm -hmm. oh, well, we'll get to the problem, you know. A couple months from now, <laughs> I I do the same because actually in the in the end I, I would like to have them hooked into canine fitness so it's again more prehab than rehab so so I mix the rehab process with the prehab process and hope it they stick with it exactly exactly. 
Okay. So I think the next exercise we should talk about is grabbing because it, again, it just kind of fits in with everything uh, we've been discussing. I would say the biggest difference with grabbing is it's not weight bearing. Like, cause now we're asking yes. them to actually like reach out and grab something with their paws. Um, so we've taken the weight bearing aspect away, but oftentimes without the weight bearing, I think you can see more kind of flexion happening as they, they grab for things. Um, so how do you, how do you do grabbing? I think we do it the same. It's, it's kind of just, will the dog do it or not? Uh, <laughs> I've, I've noticed that, um, a lot of it's grabbing is a lot easier with working dogs than than uh, maybe toy breeds or something. So it's uh, I think it's not something I do with with uh, for example my breed with Boston Terriers because they they don't just don't do it. But a lot of working dogs like to grab, especially toy paw discs, toy paw stackers, and they do it on the floor themselves. So it's it's a behavior that they offer. And then we if, if they offer it, we use it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what I do with dogs that already offer it. So it's just, um, yeah, we just have to find the, the, the way in between. Uh, we want you to stand on these things and now it's okay to grab or it's not okay to grab. So we have to find that way. But uh, I only do grabbing with working dogs. Or you, yeah, yeah. yeah I it's for me. It's <coughs> it's yeah. It's like offering them something. <laughs> like I typically that how I do it is I, I'm holding something in my hand. So it's usually yeah. like yeah, a, a toy paw stacker or a toy paw disc, and I offer it to them, but it's not on the ground, so they can't really stand on it because mm-hmm. I have it like up in the air the hand, yeah. and then just you know this I would say this one you could incorporate a little bit more training like try and actually like you said capture the grabbing at it um what I have found and again this isn't necessarily the best way to train it for all dogs um but I you know, I do think if there's a slight element of frustration, you get a little bit more grabbing. So when the dog is like, what do you want me to do? I keep touching this thing, but you're not reinforcing me for it. Then sometimes I see more of that, like, 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 and then I'm like, yes, that's what I wanted you to do. So obviously some dogs you don't want to try and get them to a state of frustration because that can be really bad. So I would say- It can hurt. Yeah. I would say you definitely need to know your dog before you ask them to to do that. Um, But honestly, like, I think you see it a lot. Like you just, you- when you're trying to get them to, to do something else, like when you're trying to get them to, to just stand on like a, a paw stacker or toy mm-hmm. paw stacker, like you'll see them touch it and then grip it. And it's like, yeah. Oh, that's what I want. So. Um, yeah, yeah. That's, that's how, that's how I started on the ground. It's not, it's just like yeah. one and then they start, they start grabbing it. Um, as I said, I, I have a lot of working dogs, 
offering this behavior so it's sometimes I, I, I like my hands please don't <laughs> so I, I, I'm sometimes I don't like to to take them in my hand to do that because they yeah it's just it just hurts yeah so, yeah but it's uh, it, it's a great exercise if it works <laughs> right and I would say like you already kind of brought up if you want them to do both grabbing and standing uh, you know as different mm. exercises you probably need to be working on both of them at the same time and very very clearly to the dog differentiating between the two so it might yes. be like something I would do is maybe if I want grabbing I sit on the floor versus yes. if I want stand standing on it then I'm standing or even like grabbing it's just the paw disc on the ground versus standing now the paw disc is on a sensi mat so there's you know you can use Dr. Smart, you can use different environmental cues to help them understand whether it's your position, whether it's different equipment, um, even like having them in a different location. Like you might do grabbing in one part of the training room and standing in a different part of the training room and the dog will start to to pick up the difference. So, Or I just offer them one. When it's grabbing. So when it's grabbing, it's just one. And then it's like, huh? Yeah. What is this one thing for? So if it's not a small dog, and it's, they, they realize very fast that it's not the standing exercise I want. Exactly. That's, yeah, great environmental kind of cue difference. Yeah. So we have one exercise left. And everyone <laughs> will be surprised to hear that it's not that much different than the other one we've been talking about. Really? <laughs> so the last exercise we had on the list is uh, digging, which I would say digging is just an extension of grabbing. Um, so, you know, same basic movement, little bit different. So what I do with digging is... Um, I, to start, I start it out, I take a towel. Like, it doesn't need to be a big mm. towel, but, you know, a fairly good-sized towel. Put a couple treats in it and, like, ball it all up weird, you know, not uniform, and then have that on the ground. And then the dog smells it, and anytime they paw at it or, you know, go to dig at it to try and get the treats, I actually do click and then treat outside yep. of the towel and then the big reward is when they dig enough and they the treats are exposed and then they get all of them that's how I do it so that like <clears throat> basically anyone can do it you don't have to have a special place outside for the dogs to dig um but when you do it that under way, defense right <laughs> when you do it that way pretty much you're just getting front so we're just getting carpus um but you could like if they're really into digging outside you may not get the exact like digging action with the rear but you'll get some engagement of the rear when they're digging down into the ground do you do anything different for for digging katarina uh actually i do not 
want yeah. my dogs to dig <laughs> so it's not an exercise i let my dogs do it <laughs> yeah i pretty much will only do it with the towel because again yeah. environmental cues it's a towel it's inside i haven't had a dog yet that says oh i do this with a towel inside that means i can also do it outside <laughs> um some people, I've had clients though that are willing, like they'll go to the store and they'll buy like one of those small kitty pools yeah. um, and they fill it with sand and then let the dog dig in there. And, you know, you can definitely train the dog. Like this is the only place you dig. So that works for them. I've also had a few clients actually same kind of thing, kitty pool, not mm -hmm. sand. They just have it filling with water. And the dogs want to dig in the water. So that's another another option. It, that tends to be um, your dogs that love the or water. Or you just can to fill the pool with these uh, weight light bo uh, balls and then and then put treats in, in it yeah. as well. And then they will go to And then they go the for it. Yep. And then yeah. and you are the one that is cleaning up afterwards. Well yeah. done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I think... It's, it's one of those things, like, I think digging, at least when I went through school for this, um, digging was always thrown around as like, oh, it's this great exercise and you should do it. And, and I was always like, but so many people, you're going to tell them to do digging and they're going to be upset. They're going to be like, no, I don't want my dog to dig. And so we have to kind of think outside the box for it if we're going to use that. And, um, yeah, I think, I think it's, it's out there as an option, but I think we've also shown with the previous, what, four exercises that there's a lot of other things you can do that a client might be a little bit more happy with, um, than digging. So, yeah. So they, they don't have to rebuild their yard after. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So we actually got five exercises out of wow. it. Yeah, they, they, they are fairly similar, but that's okay. <laughs> it, it is. I mean, it's, 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 it's actually, it's a small part in the body. And as we said in the beginning, it's all a chain. So, so we try to, to engage the whole body mm -hmm. and not yeah. isolate. It's, it's difficult to isolate anything or something. So yeah. yeah. And I'm sure, you know, you can get creative and come up with other things. Like I said, or like we both said, like we just, it's not, it doesn't tend to be a huge problem that we're having to deal with all the time. I would say. Exactly. And, and for those that aren't into luring, of course, you can use a nose target or something yeah. like that. So, so you don't have to lure the dog. But I... I have no problem with luring, so. Cool. Wow. Do we have other body parts we want to do in the next episode, or have we pretty much wrapped up body parts? Oh, what did we do so far? We had core, hip, shoulder, shoulder. and now corpus and tarsus. What should we do? I don't know. I, I think we should probably 
come up with a new series. <laughs> Maybe we should come up with a new series or um, if you want us to continue with this series, please send us or send us or or uh, write on Facebook in the on the page uh, which body parks parts you want us to cover. Yeah. And if you don't come up with ideas, we will we will start a new series. But yes. we are open to do another one yes. of this one. Great plan. That's perfect. So we're going to wrap up today with talking a little bit about risk in canine fitness. Um, I Here's how I'm going to introduce this. <laughs> so I think of... Everything in life has some risk. There's not really anything that if you sit down and you are like, is this perfectly 100% safe? The answer is always going to be no. There's always something that could happen. And so it's really, I think everyone has different levels of what type of risk they're willing to take on. So for example, kind of a classic one is there are definitely people out there who, you know, if they're in a place where it's okay for dogs to be off leash, they still choose to always keep their dog on leash because they're just the, the risks, all the different possibilities that could happen with their dog off leash is too much for them. And that's okay. But it's also okay for the people that are okay with letting their dogs off leash. If they're okay with that higher level of risk, then that's okay for them. And so I think with canine fitness, we have to accept that there are different levels of risk and sometimes there's there's always some risk involved. It is never, like I said, there's nothing that is completely risk-free. And so what you have to also realize is that sometimes risk is going to increase as you try to push your dog, as you try to get them stronger that inherently means the risk goes up a little. You're trying harder things. It's just like in sports, as you progress up the levels, it usually becomes harder, which means you're pushing yourself harder, which means there is more risk for injury or something else to happen. So, that's that's kind of the the big picture, I guess, of like risk in canine fitness. Um, I think we can like narrow that down a little bit and talk a, a bit about equipment um, because I do think there's this trend that like the equipment should be inherently safe, and I don't know. I just, to me, I, I just remember, okay, so I'm going to go back to my beginnings and 
when we were coming up with the canine fitness certification program, I cannot remember, or I cannot tell you how many times we would say as we were designing it, that these are tools, not toys, meaning you have to know how to appropriately use them because they're not something that, you know, anyone can just go and, and play on and not have to worry about anything. So I think that's really important to remember when thinking about canine fitness, when planning training with, you know, doing canine fitness with, you know, all the things. So <laughs> I'm going to be quiet now. <laughs> we'll let the, 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 the true, um, equipment expert <laughs> I'm in now, um, about her thoughts on this. Yeah, well, you know, one of my mantras is that without a challenge, there is no progress. And another one is that failure is part of the process as well. So if we, I mean, you know, as uh, you have been active in sports, you, I don't want to ask how many times you failed before something um, worked out. Uh, I don't know how many times I fell on my knees before I knew how to skate properly. Um, and that's the risk we are talking about, not to... Uh, I think in the beginning, as you told, we had... I think we already talked about this. We had equipment designed for humans, which is exactly when, when a human has to sit onto something... Um, it isn't on the ground or it is equipment that you could use on a chair. For example, the round discs or a peanut. A peanut in physiotherapy has the height, uh, you, has different heights because we have different sizes or height of humans so they can sit on them comfortably. But let if we let a dog stand on these peanuts without any um, holder, is this safe? Is this a risk? Is this too much risk? In my opinion, yes, it is. It was back then as well. So holders were created, but is this the meaning of the product? No, it's not. So why are we using this product? If we need to to do uh, to <clears throat> create a special holder for it so why not doing a product that is fit for the body we are working with and not meant for a body for an, for a different body that could stabilize this equipment as well we are talking about fitness now and not rehab in rehab peanuts definitely in canine rehab or other animals as well uh, peanuts uh, have a very good reason and very good use but uh, actually, in today's um, canine fitness, I don't see the point of all these big-sized peanuts any longer. That's that's my opinion, and that's a risk for me that it's too high. But to work on equipment close to the ground, we are talking about five to ten centimeters from the ground. That's not taking a risk when working with these this equipment. Even if it's sliding a little bit on the ground, 
remember we always work on non-slippery ground but it so that the paws are safe but you can't if, if the equipment slides of that non-slippery ground it's not dangerous it's just not dangerous because it's five to ten centimeters if a dog can't step down from equipment they that is five centimeters from the ground they can't take a hike on on level ground because that would be dangerous as well and that's what we want our dogs to prepare for to come back from this hike without an injury or mm -hmm. from their sports without an injury i mean you're you're the agility person here um when we see all these slow motion videos of 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 a, of a dog running and 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 taking um, a curve so this is what we are preparing the dogs for so they actually can handle equipment that is that is sliding away or maybe a little bit flipping away because it's small and weight light mm -hmm. yeah i mean that brings up you know you talked about your things that you say um i also another thing that i say all the time is you know train so the competing is easy and that's not just skills of like if they need to be able to run, you know, 40 feet away from you in competition, you train to 80 feet. Yes, that's part of what that saying means. But it also means you need to prepare the body so that what they see, what they might experience in competition is not a super stress on the body. So, you know, I want to do things in their canine fitness that is harder on their body where it's in a controlled environment that I'm controlling all the other factors that I want that stress on their body so that if it happens in competition, it's not going to break them in competition. So, exactly. you know, we always, you know, I think about like, you know, with all the sports, like that's kind of, you know, human sports, I mean, you know, we, that's where it comes from. We train so the competing is easy. Yes, when you're competing, you're going to give it your all, but it, the, the competition shouldn't break down your body. Um, you know, hopefully you have prepared yourself to be able to withstand that kind of effort that you give in competition. And so I think sometimes when we're super, super careful on fitness, it's not actually benefiting them for their, their, their sport. I think um, we are careful in choosing the right exercise for the level of the dog to prepare them to their level in the competition they are. I mean, that's the careful work we have to do. We have to put pressure on this, on what we are doing in fitness to, to hopefully prevent them from injury during competition. Yes, exactly. And I think as part of the canine fitness profession, part of what we have to be able to do is if we ask a dog to do something, in preparation for their sport and they can't do it, we need to know how to 
make that exercise easier for them mm-hmm. or split it into multiple exercises that are easier and understand that process and making sure they can do it at that level and then building them back up and also being able to explain to the owner of that dog what you're doing and why you're having to make it easier and explain to them why, you know, maybe they want to, I don't know, back up training a little bit or not push competition as much right now because we need to build this up a little bit more to keep them safe in competition. Actually, what I've noticed is that the people coming that are actually competing with their dogs, they bring the same energy into the fitness training as they have in competition. And that sometimes just doesn't work. Yes, that's a great point. It is, and, and it's often the failure is the handling and the communication between handler and dog. And this is when I step in and sometimes ask, may I? And then I show them and it works. And then it's like, oh my God, why does it work with you? I might, you don't know my dog and it works with you for the first or second time. And I can't, I'm trying this for so long and it's not working. This is the energy between handler and dog that is not into canine fitness mode. It's in, in competition mode or training for comp- training the, in their sport. And I think that's that's something that is um, that we have to lay a lot. Handling is something we have to more focus on, um, that they know how to train, especially for or in canine fitness. It's not the same. You have to have a different body language. You have to have different uh, energy. I agree. That that makes so much sense, and I. You bringing that up, I'm like, oh, yeah, I see that a lot, too, where, yeah, it's like the energy and it's the the mentality of, like, they're in sport mode. And it's like, yes, no, yeah. no, no, we're going to be in fitness mode now. And that's different. It, it, but they, it's sometimes it's hard to explain them. And then it's sometimes better to show them how it works. And, yeah. And then it's like, oh my God, why? It's not fair. And then they try again and fail again. And then I say, it's no problem. Failure is part of the process. It is okay. Just look what I'm doing. And then yeah, think, look what you are doing. I sometimes take videos. Yeah. Or I let, sometimes I let them do it. And I try again and again and again. And then I was, what is different? What is when and then I tell them when it works, what was different? And then I don't know. <laughs> okay, do it again. Do it again. Do it again. And then it's it's like sometimes they just have to. I have this little demo dog. It's a it's a little French bulldog which is sitting. And then I let them try with that sitting dog and I, just their own movements. And then and when it's correct, I say that was correct. What was the difference that to the one before? Hmm. Right. You're, you're bringing body awareness to the person. Not exactly. Exactly. It's, it's so, it has, it just, that's from my experience. I mean, I, there were, there are 
a ton of trainers out there, they maybe see it different. But from my experience, it is it is this Zen mode you have to be in as a trainer to nail these exercises with these dogs. It doesn't you don't don't need a lot of language, you don't need a lot of it's just it's just how for me it's like choreography. You work with that dog, it's it's like you're in sync with that dog and the movement and it works. Beautiful. Well said. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> It's you know it's my <laughs> it's my topic and I and it I'm always diving too deep. <laughs> I love it. You know, I I think these are the conversations that we need to have about canine fitness, not just you know, I don't think there's just like right or wrong. I think everyone you know, chooses their yeah own path but then needs to develop within that you know so like like you said you know if you if you never want to use a peanut fine mm -hmm. like we're no one should force you to have to use it um but if you're going if you feel okay using a peanut let's learn how to use it correctly and realize that it is not inherently safe like it's not like you can't you know your dog isn't just gonna know how to use it perfectly without any problem um <clears throat> I, I just think i mean you have seen the the series i'm writing about development in canine fitness equipment it's just that, that this is all part i, I the part three is coming out next week um where we have where we are where I, i'm talking about these risks and and i mean it's it's progress we are we are not back in 2010 and, mm -hmm. and equipment has to progress as well. So like human equipment does. And I think it's very important. Um, if you have these old things, use them. If you feel safe and if it's safe for the dogs, use them uh, even with a holder. But my point of view is just if getting something new, why should I get this nowadays? There is better out there, but if you have it, use it if it's safe Perfect. and if your dog is comfortable with it. I, I would say if you can use it safely, right? Because, you know, it just... It's handling skills as well. Yeah, depending on who's using it and how they're using it, it definitely levels of of safeness <laughs> yeah it is definitely so i i don't use them anymore that is why they are out of um the the, the big higher ones they are out of flexiness uh products we're no longer producing them um But if you have them, use them if you feel safe and if you can handle them, that's the point. Yeah. And then the point is what exercises are you using them for? I mean, if you have if you have if you have one between between your legs standing up and the dog is sitting in front of you and jumping up and just touching it, it's completely safe. Yeah. Yep. 
Wow. If you work on a non-slippery ground <laughs> and the dog has no condition, <laughs> precondition that is not allowing him right. to the, do this exercise. You so have and... worked up to that level of exercise. You didn't just start with that one. I mean, exactly. all, all these caveats in there, but um, I think that was a, that was a really good discussion about yeah, safety and risk, because I, I just, I do, I think it's a false belief to think like there's no risk out there. If, if it's like, if it's made perfectly or done perfect, you know, it's, I mean, there, I mean, there are, risk. there are, is risk. There, yeah. And there are different purposes for, for different type of equipment i mean stable platforms are awesome and inflatables are awesome as well we have to find the balance exactly we have to define the goal what we are working for what we want to improve or strengthen or whatever in our dog and then we have to choose the right equipment for that work yep i agree I think that kind of wraps up today. I think so. I could talk a little, maybe another hour about this or two, but I think we already talked a lot and we don't want to annoy I, I, oh, I don't want to annoy someone. I think I think we covered a good portion of it. We'll we'll see what our listeners think about it. But um mm. yeah, I it's it's an important topic that I do think probably has to be revisited you know, over time. And I think it's also important with your, your passion to continuously create better equipment. You know, you recognize that it's not just a, here's four pieces of equipment. I'm never going to try and make anything better. Like I really admire that you're constantly looking at things, studying dogs' movement and coming up with designs and new products that are specifically for dogs. They're it not has been, it, it has been a long way, but I I think yeah, never stop learning, never stop improving. And that is that is for yourself as a trainer, as vet, as therapist as well for me as a designer and uh yeah we can sleep long enough when we're dead <laughs> and always continuing to learn and improve yourself is what's gonna help you stay, stay fit, fit and and stay in the game, game. bye guys bye bye For listening to Let's Talk Canine Fitness. If you enjoyed our podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. 
You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and online at www.letstalkk9fitness.com. Want some bonuses? Support us on Patreon. Every month we will release a mini-sode exclusively from Patreon questions, plus other special bonuses you will find only on the Let's Talk Canine Fitness Patreon page. This episode was produced by Leslie Ide and Katerina Mattioli. Music written and performed by Moonfly. Music provided by PremiumBeat.com.